0: We're talking about how to win every faith battle principles that you need to know to win these faith battles that you come up against in your life and, and here's the thing faith it's a lifestyle the life of faith the walk of faith it's a lifestyle now we believe in the word of faith because we believe that when the word of God is preached and revelation comes of that word That faith is birthed in the heart of people. And so what we're talking about is lifestyle principles of walking by faith. The Bible is so specific on how it wants you to walk. So the first principle that we talked about, we talked about how that you have to know not only who your enemy is, but you need to know how he operates. We know our enemy is not people, right? We learned that it's not people at all, it's who's behind it. Satan is the one who's behind it all. The the president's not the problem, the government's not the problem, people are not your problem, your boss is not your problem. Satan is the one that is behind the scenes. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, right? Of this, of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly or high places. All these things are what we battle against. How we battle against them, because remember, they're defeated. They've been reduced to nothing. They can't do anything in your life unless you allow it. You are the deciding factor. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So if you think about it, God is up in heaven speaking his word over you. He says you're a world overcomer. He says that you're going to be above only and not beneath, that he always causes you to triumph, that actually you've already won because you're born of him. You overcome the world. That's what God says. Satan says you're not a world overcomer. You're defeated. You're going to live in lack and poverty and sickness all your life. You're no good. You can't, right? That's what, that's what Satan's saying. So guess who's the deciding vote? So, so think of how crazy this is. Why would we ever want to say, Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you know what, Satan, I agree with you. I'm sick. I'll live in poverty the rest of my life. Why would we ever want to do that? Do you know that's the only way that he can get access into your life? If if he gets you to literally go, God, you know, I don't believe what you're saying, but Satan, I'll believe what you're saying. He has to have that or he has no access. Could it be that simple? Could it be that you could actually have him have no access in your life I'm looking at the people that are here tonight. I've been walking with you guys for a while, right? I know what you believe. I know you would never side with the enemy, right? So this is what happens. So the reality of many believers is they will literally have every door shut to the enemy. They'll have doors, every door open to the Lord. They're in faith, they believe the word of God But they let distractions happen in their life. They get too busy. They they get out of the word a little bit. They, They start, you know, little things will happen in their life. And then maybe they might, you know, do something wrong or say something wrong. And then they kind of feel bad about themselves. And so Satan will start jumping on that. Pretty soon he'll start making you feel like you're in fear, even though you're really not in fear. He'll make you feel like you're really not in faith when you really are in faith. Could it be that he's just a deceiver? I think I've read that someplace. Have you ever read that anyplace, right? So we're step number one, principle number one, is know how your enemy operates. Number one, know your enemy. It's not anybody else but Satan, right? I don't care what any person has done to you. Forget that person, love them. But take authority over what's behind it, right? So keep your eye keep your eye on the ball. Satan is your enemy. He's the one who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life. Okay? So we know he's the enemy. We know how he operates. How how does he operate? The battlefield is your mind. He accesses your heart through your mind. Right? And what I mean by access is he'll get you to let go of the word of God if you, if you start thinking wrong. Let me give you an example of this. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, I think it's about verse 16. Romans chapter 1 is Paul, this letter to the Romans, it's Paul talking about people who have rejected God. But it gives us an incredible insight into what a Christian can do if they, if they choose not to believe God. So it says here in Romans chapter 1, now let's go to verse 19. It says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. So God literally has, it says here, He has manifested himself to every human being that's ever lived. How much more has he manifested himself to his children, right? So now it says, for the invisible things of him, the lowest form of revelation is natural. And God is saying, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Wow. God is saying, that the invisible things of him, he has chosen to remain invisible to man. But it's saying he's completely revealed from the creation of the world. It says, and these things are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. What? You can know the very Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by looking at creation. That's what God is saying. So, so these are people that have, every human being has clearly seen and had God manifested unto them. It says here, now, now hasn't that happened to you? As a believer, God has revealed himself to you. You're his child. Gosh, he reveals himself to believers All day, every day, right? Revelation, knowledge from his word. So you could say that this is going to reveal a principle of how our minds work. So look at this. It says, for the invisible things of him, verse 20, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. So the people who reject the Lord, they're without excuse. When they stand before God, they will will clearly see every time that God manifested himself to them. And and every time that they rejected. But look at this. I mean, I gotta tell you, we're without excuse too. This thing's so simple. We, We are given wonderful truth. It says here, verse 21, this is what happened to them, and we got to be careful. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Now, this word glorify means when, when they knew God, they made a decision not to glorify him as God. This word means they they chose not to magnify and not to honor him as God. Okay? Can a a believer do that? Yeah. Right? So look at what happens. That was the doorway. People you know that don't know God, they make a decision, I'm not going to honor God, I'm going to live for myself. Right? Christians do that too, don't they? Can, right? They glorified him not as God. Here's the other part. Neither were they thankful. If you don't, if you don't magnify or honor somebody, you're surely not going to be thankful. So they were not thankful to God. I mean, th- do you see this here? This opened the door for what? Look at this. Because they didn't glorify him as God, because they were not thankful, it says, but became vain in their imagination. Now we've talked a lot about that. The spiritual warfare, the battlefields of mind, Satan is coming. His his tactic, it's one road, one way. He comes against your mind and he throws thought after thought after thought that are contrary to the word of God for the purpose of penetrating your mind so that he can confuse your mind, play mind games, you know, scramble your thinking. In other words, he wants to get you thinking wrong. What will thinking wrong, what does that produce? It produces a vain imagination. That is an imagination that literally, it it gives you a, a little mini movie of yourself living in such a way contrary to what God's word says. And see, remember when we taught on this, you have thoughts as the first level of battle. If you don't guard your thought life, you're going to have a vain imagination be built. How, how did it get built? Why, when you don't guard your thought life, guess what's going to happen to you? You're not going to honor and magnify God. You're not going to be thankful. Right? You're going to be driving around in a nice car. Right? And you're going to be, you're going to be driving home on 168th Street, being the good son that you are, talking to your mom on the phone, Right, and and you're just gonna be driving, and, and you're in your in your 2019 car, and, and you're just it's dark, you know, but you're just driving, and you're just being a good son, and then you hit a pothole, and instantly your fair, you know, your eight month old old car, is pulling to the right for the last half mile of you going home, and then you pull into your 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 um, garage, and and you look at your tire. And it's completely flat. And so you get out. You're, you're still doing okay. Tell your mom you got to go. Um, and then you put your little air compressor on it. And it, it's supposed to air up a tire in four minutes. And it has a little gauge on it. Zero. You know when it gets about 38, you're good because the tire will be full. And it's, you're pumping air. And it's at zero. It stays at zero, zero. And now you get to pull the spare out in your garage late at night, right? I could t- I'm telling this story because this happened to me yesterday. And, and I'm tired because, you know, I, I was up at five and I was at a Bible study at 6.30 and I was in a bunch of meetings and, and then I dealt with a bunch of stuff, and, and right? I'm so thankful for the word of God. But see, if I'm not careful, I will let the one bad tire outshadow the fact that, wow, God's blessed me with a nice car, I live in a house, and, and oh my gosh, we even have the money to buy another tire, right? That, thank God, I've been there, I mean, when I was single, man, when I was a young guy, 18, 17, 18 years old, my tires, I had polyester tires in California. You could see the white thread underneath the tread and of course, that was the winter that it rained all the time. So I would drive on the freeway like this, just hydroplaning back and forth with no money. I took my car in because it wasn't running right one time. I took it to this garage and, and they, the guy looked at the, I don't even know cars, but they have something called points. I don't think they have that anymore. He pulled off this distributor cap and he said, he, he looked at me and he goes, who towed your car in? And I'm like, well, I just drove it in. And he looked at me and he's like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, why do you say that? Because I've been driving the car. He goes, no, 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 no. These things are fried. They've been fried, I could tell, for a long time. i had been driving a car that couldn't be driven for a long time. And, and I drove it. And what a coincidence until I got a paycheck. And I had just enough money to fix it. See, what I'm saying and I, boy, I, I hate telling on myself, but I, I have to do it sometimes. But what I'm saying is, Satan is such a master deceiver that if you don't manage your thought life, he'll get you out of the spirit, into the flesh, and all of a sudden, you'll be consumed with a flat tire, and you'll miss everything else that God wants to do in your life. Right? I mean, think about it. You hit your thumb with a hammer. Man, you have nine other fingers and thumbs that work great. But if you don't get your thought life right, you will be consumed with the one, right? There is a way if you live a life of honoring God and magnifying him as God, and you live a life of being thankful, you'll be able to stay in the right place. You will not be given over to a vain imagination because all your behavior flows out of it. So this is what happened to these people. They they were given over. They they became vain in their imaginations. And then what it says, and their foolish heart was darkened. We got to be careful with this, right? So there is a way in the word of God where we can stay away from this. How do we stay away? We guard our thought life. We know how the enemy's coming. He's going to throw thoughts. He's going to come questioning us. Why isn't that working yet? What about this? How long is this going to take? Well, surely God didn't say this. And oh, by the way, you dirty dog, you've blown it 800 times this week. And he'll just keep coming and coming and coming. And sometimes you don't go all the way with them. You just go 10%. He's okay with that. He'll take 1% this week, and another percent next month, and then five years later, when now you're 60% thinking wrong, now he's coming. Does that make sense? So we want to guard against it. We, number one, we got to know how our enemy operates, and it's deception because he's already lost. He has no power over you. You have been given authority over him. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places far above anything that could come against you. But that's principle number one. You gotta know that. But then principle number two, when you're believing God for anything, let me back up and say it this way. For you to believe God for something, you have to secure God's word on the inside of you there's a lot and this is what happens you're walking through life and and if he can get you self-centered you know and and he loves it when a Christian starts saying no to the Holy Spirit no I'm not going to forgive that person no I'm not going to go to church when he wants me to go to church no I'm not even going to go where he wants me to go no I'm not going to spend time I mean no 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 Stay, stay away from saying no to him right? Because what happens there is you start living your life naturally. You start making all your own decisions. He loves that. Because in order for you to receive anything from him, you have to receive it through faith. But in order to receive it through faith, you have to hear the word of God. Because faith only comes by hearing God's word. God's word is his will. In other words, if it's not his will, you can't have faith for it. So herein is the problem. What about those things that are not black and white in the Bible? Should I murder somebody? Should I not? You know, I could probably I could probably figure out it's God's will not to, because he says, thou shalt not murder. But what about who should I marry? What about, you know, where do I go to church? Uh, Where do I work? Situation happens in my life. How do I pray about this situation? See, sometimes this is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important because you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. How do you do it? When you pray in your prayer language, you're praying the perfect will of God. And that'll build, build you up. It'll give you direction on how to pray sometimes. So we have to secure the word of God on the inside of us. See, most believers... They just go. I want this, so I'm going to believe God for that. And they start believing God, and they're not sensitive enough to realize that there's no there's no unction there. There's no there's no stirring there by the Spirit of God. I just want this to happen this way, right? Brother Hagen said this. Dad Hagen, he said this. It's so simple. The word of God always works if you work it. So we want to secure God's word, God's promise on the inside, right? Mark chapter eleven. Why don't you go ahead and turn there? Mark chapter eleven, verse twenty-three, or I'm sorry, verse twenty-four. Right. This is this is this outlines faith. What things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them. And that, that receive them means believe that you seize hold of them. Believe that you seize hold of them and you shall have them. Right? That's faith. That, and, and what is the fight of faith? From the time that you say, Father, I thank you. I believe that I receive my healing. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that I receive the finances that I've required of you, Amen. The, now you get up from that prayer, and the faith battle begins. Satan starts throwing thoughts, throwing thoughts. That will go on until what you're believing God for, what you've believed you've received, that you can't see when you're with your natural eye yet. When you can see it in your life, then the faith battle's over, right? But in that we're talking about that in between time. You have to secure two to three scriptures that promise you what you're requiring of God. And if you have that, it's done. Right? So this is what we're talking about. Before you ever prayed the prayer of faith, you had to have God's word as your sure foundation. So the walk of faith, you got to get over yourself. You can't be putting yourself first. You got to say, okay, Lord. You've you, you got to say, okay, Lord. Right? I mean, you got to say, okay, Lord. Because you know what Lord means? It means he owns you. Right? We talk about Lord, Lord, oh, Lord, Lord. Oh, my Lord. When I'm in trouble, oh, my Lord. Right? But it's like, but are you living your life like he owns you? Now, here's the really cool thing. That's not complicated. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's job to lead you into that. He'll help you. He'll be like, hey, you're getting off here. You're thinking about come back here, right? As long as you're willing, boy, he could just, he just will move you all over the place. It's wonderful. Right, So you, you go ahead, you're not self-centered, you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you're, now you're in a position for him to add everything to you. Do you know how he adds things to you? This is what it does. You're in the word, you're meditating in the word day and night, You're God's first in your life, and all of a sudden a desire comes out of your heart for something. And, and, and that desire, it keeps growing. The more you delight in God, the more it grows in you. And then scriptures come around this, then you have your two or three scriptures or or 10 or 12, whatever it is, but at least two and at best three. And you have these scriptures that literally, see like me, I'm telling you, this church cannot be, it can't be killed. Right? I can't fail at doing what God's called me to do. Why? Because it is written in Joshua 1.5. No man will ever be able to stop Me from doing the will of God, Isaiah 54, right? No weapon that's formed against me will prosper. No, no tongue that ever rises up against me in judgment. Well, I'll condemn the tongue. I'll love the person. I'll condemn the tongue. We we cannot be stopped, right? We have God's word on it. So when the enemy comes, we say it is written. It is written. It is written. The enemy comes and says, "Listen, you know this diagnosis has to get worse." No. No, it is written, it is written, it is written. You have to have that. It's your sure foundation because he's going to come questioning you and he's going to come challenging you. And if you don't have an it is written, if you just think, well, I just need to, I just think I need to sing that song that, that his name is powerful 2,500 more times because, man, when I was in church and we sang that song, Carissa went off on that thing and, oh, It won't get you over. Do you notice when you sing that song? That song won't get you over. Do you notice that when you sing that song? I know when I sing that song, scriptures about the name of Jesus come up out of my spirit. And man, it just, it it literally infuses everything within me to sing. See, it's the word. The word does the work, not you. Does that make sense? The Bible is very clear. It gives us instructions on what we're to do in this from the time we say amen and we believe that we receive. It gives us clear instructions how to hang on to what we've received until we see it in this realm. And we hang on in peace. We hang on at rest. Faith is not toil. No, actually walking the life of the transgressor is hard. Faith is rest. You enter the rest of God. You stop doing, you cease from your own works. You're no longer trying to figure it out, right? You're not trying to figure out how this is going to work anymore. Isn't that a nightmare? Trying to do God's job. There's no anointing in it. I know for me as a pastor, God talks to me all the time to stay in the anointing. To stay in it. If there's no anointing to do it, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I've done that too long. I'm not doing that anymore. We are to stay and flow with the Holy Ghost and the anointing. It's so, so very important. So, run over to Romans 10, 17 real quick. I want you to lay your eyes on this scripture. You've probably heard it before. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Actually, the word cometh is not in the original Greek. It was added by the translators. It adds meaning to that, but I love taking it out. So then faith by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now hear and and see what we've just been talking about in Romans chapter 1 literally is how you hear. See, when they became, when they chose not to glorify God as God and were not thankful, what happened is they became vain in their imaginations. What happened is they, their, their, their foolish heart was darkened. It says they lost the ability to hear. When Adam and Eve died spiritually, you know the first thing that happened to them? They became self-aware. The first thing it says when they died spiritually, they knew they were naked. Before, they were clothed in the glory of God. The light that was on the inside of them was showing on the outside. And the first thing that happened is they went, whoa, and they noticed themselves. So this is why the first time, when you start getting into the flesh nature, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to become self-aware. And it will deafen you to hear the word of God. We have to be We have to keep our eyes on the Lord. This is is a foundation of faith. So many people that want to walk by faith, they're stumbling over their own self-centeredness. They're stumbling over all the no's that they're saying to God, wondering why they're not able to lay hold of what God's given them. But no more. The Holy Spirit will help you in this. So important. Faith comes one way. It doesn't come by being consistent in coming to Faith Family Church. It doesn't come by just, you know, reading your Bible. It comes by literally reverencing, honoring, and respecting God, giving His Word your full attention, and you will hear His Word. And when you hear the Word of God on the inside of you, Faith is there. It's just faith by... See, the reason why, so then faith cometh by hearing, I don't really like that word cometh because it denotes some time. There's no time. When you hear on the inside of you the voice of God, faith is there. It's right there. And what it does, it makes you grab hold and seize hold of His promise and never let it go because, see, you keep hearing and hearing, and hearing. Does that make sense? This is the walk of faith. How long will you have to stand? Who cares? I'll tell you this, you won't when you're in faith. Right? And see, in the church... We deal with when you're believing God for something and it goes on for a while and your dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, they know it's gone on for a while and the minute you see them, they're over there thinking, man, you know, I th- I'm really hungry. I didn't get dinner before church today. What am I going to eat when I get home? But you see them look at you and, and the enemy will go, man, they're wondering why you haven't received your healing yet. Mind games. Constant Mind games. He knew the mind games that worked on your great, 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 great grandfather, right? And all the way down the line. He's he's known all the mind games that has worked on you in the past. That's okay. Just draw a line in the sand and say, this is very simple for me. This is my truth. This is option. This is my option. Jesus is my Lord. For me, came to a point in my life where I said, sink or swim, live or die, don't care. I'm, I'm living for God. I'm gonna believe his word. You know, I mean, and, and if I die, man, at least I'll, I'll stand before him and he's gonna be like, well, you missed it a little bit here, but that's okay, man. You were really doing good. I'll be like, thank you. Right? Instead of this, wow. I don't wanna step out of my body and be with him and go, oh, Lord, man, I was just living for myself. He's gonna be like, you know what? just like I told you in your life, let's just forget about all that. I got a plan for you in eternity. Let's just, right? But we don't want that. We want to do everything down here. I mean, isn't it cool that we have been given power and authority delegated by God over the enemy? You get your whole life, you get to kick his teeth in. Is that awesome? He's evil. He kills people. He hurts people. And you get to mess that up for him. While all the time you're going, man, hey, how's your future looking? I hear you're going to be vacationing in a lake. (laughs) Right? Does the word Gehenna mean anything to you? (laughs) Right? Loser. You will never have my tongue. You will never have my body. You'll never use me again. Right? I'm free. I'm a child of God. The word of God is the answer when he comes at you. It is written, it is written, it is written. You could just laugh when you're saying it. It is written, and then he runs out of the room. Then he's stupid, so he'll come back. It is written, it is written. And, and you do that while you, you don't feel it, right? Man, I'll tell you, when the anointing comes on me, I can feel it. But do you know some of the greatest that anointing that I've ever walked in? I didn't feel anything. Do you know how many people get off by looking for a feeling and they think the feeling is the anointing and it's it's actually a deception of the enemy igniting their flesh? So we, we don't want to ever be fooled. The Word of God brings light. It brings clarity to your life. Right? So we overcome the enemy by speaking God's Word. So... I want to go to Mark chapter 4, and I want to talk about, this is probably Mark chapter 4, we're going to just start right at the beginning here, verse 3, through about verse 25 to 27, it's the parable of the sower, it gives us, Jesus said if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any parables, it gives us the key of how the whole kingdom of God works, but it really gives us a picture of how we secure the word of God on the inside of us while the enemy is trying to come against us. So let's look at this. Verse 3. Hearken, Jesus says, Behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell on the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Verse 6. Verse 6. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. And then Jesus, in verse 9, he said this at the end of his sermon. He said, now... I know Jesus preached longer than this, okay? I'm sure he did in Jesus' name. Otherwise, I'm in trouble right now. We know Jesus preached like all day for like three days and then said, oh man, these people, they won't go away, we need to feed them, right? That's comforting to me. For some reason, I don't don't know. But he said at the end of it in verse nine, and he said unto them, he that has ears to hear, let him hear let him who has ears to hear let him hear so in order to hear you have to have ears to hear and remember ears to hear is i'm reverencing i'm honoring what's who's talking what they're saying so i'm giving my full attention to it that's how i hear the key to the parable this whole parable the key to it is hear the word that's the key the mystery of the kingdom of God is this, hear God's word. That is the key that unlocks everything in the kingdom of God to you. That's the key. If you're not hearing the word, it's impossible. It'd be like trying to open a door without a key. Right? Right? A nice internet story does not open the door, right? It, it, it might entertain some really powerful statements on leadership and with some great adjectives that sound really cool. doesn't open the door. It's not a key. The word of God is a key. Hear the word. Interesting that the key is it's even beyond just the word. It's, it's hearing the word. Not listening to, it's a different Greek word. It's hearing it is the key. That, now think about what, what we just said. So if you could just hear the word that he speaks about prosperity, it will unlock that to you. If you could just hear the word on healing, it unlocks it. It opens it up to you. Isn't that interesting? And you have the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you to help you. Could you imagine? You have the greatest and the best to help you. The whole parable is based on hear the word. So now, verse 10, Jesus leaves. He's the one, and when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, verse 11, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So people are coming to him who are following him, who are close to him, and they're asking him, explain this to me. And he says, the first thing he says is, unto you who have been with me, who are hearing, it's given to know the mystery. Right? You could see this right here. Jesus is saying, I'm about to explain to you the mystery of the kingdom of God. The basis of how everything in the kingdom of God works. Wow. Jesus is saying to them, I am about to tell you the foundation of everything that is taught. That's a pretty big thing, isn't it? It says, but unto them that are without. Now, if the, if the principle and the mystery and the key to this whole parable is having ears to hear them that are without are them that are without ears to hear. Now remember, who chooses, who chooses to have ears to hear or not? The individual does. But based on their choice, there's certain things that happen. But unto them that are without or without ears to hear, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see, and not perceive. See, it's one thing to just see something, but are you really perceiving it? It says here, that word perceive means to know it and understand it. Some people can see something. I, I can see a, a, a film on heart surgery, but that doesn't mean I know it or understand it, Right? So it says here, and hearing, they may hear and not understand. This word understand in the Greek means they hear it, but they're not able to put it together. They're not able to comprehend it. Why? Because they don't have ears to hear. Why don't they have ears to hear? They're not honoring God above everything in their life. They're living for themselves. So what, this, what Jesus is saying is we can know the pattern that unlocks everything in the Word of God. Now, why do people not give their full attention to the Word of God? There's one reason. Hardness of heart. That's why. They, they have allowed themselves to think wrong, and now they have vain imaginations going on in their mind, a picture of their life living in a way where God is not first. Right? And then all your behavior comes out of that. They say the average Christian in America comes to church 1.5 times per month. That's average. They're saying that church is changing and it's going to all go away from from this. I got news for you. It's not going to go away. Because this is the way God set it up. He knows what we need. But why? Why? Because of the vain imaginations, church is not a priority in people's life. And guess what's not a priority if church isn't a priority? The Word is not a priority. Ouch. Now we know what the problem is, right? Satan will work overtime to get you so busy you don't have time to be in the Word. We don't have time not to be, right? So, so this is interesting. Doubting God's Word is what causes your heart to be hardened. So we want to stay away from that. You'll have to dig for the word of God. You'll have to be committed to it. This is just, this is how you have ears to hear. God wants you to have everything that Jesus has provided for you. However, as a wise father, he knows that a total commitment on our part will be necessary to hold up against all the enemy will come at you with. If you're not totally committed, you're going to let go. And then you're going to walk around going, yeah, that must not work. No, it works. You just let go. But you don't have to. Right? Verse 13, And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? Then how are you going to know all parables? So in other words, if you don't understand this parable... You won't be able to understand all the other parables. Or in other words, if you understand this parable, you'll be able to understand every parable because it all comes down to having ears to hear. Right? Verse 14. So now he's going to explain the parable. The sower sows the word. In Luke's account, it says it this way. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So we know in the parable of the sower, the sower is sowing the seed, which is the word of God. The word is likened to a seed that is sown into the hearts of people. The parable deals with the condition of our hearts when we receive the word. And there's four conditions, right? Wayside, thorny ground, stony ground, and good ground. So this whole parable is about the condition of, of the person's heart that is receiving the word of God. And only the good ground can the word produce. See, you're never to produce, only the word produces. Does that make sense? But the word can only produce in good ground. And even in good ground, it produces in degrees based on the attitude that you give the word. So, so man, what I'd say is, let's... Let's, ex- let's guard our heart and expand our boundaries so we could be just 30, 60, 100-fold, whatever. Let's, let's be 200-fold. Uh, let's keep going with this thing, right? So, let's go on with this. If the seed of the Word of God is planted in anything else but a heart that is filled with the revelation knowledge that God loves me, that seed will fail. It's like it's in ground that when the outside forces come against that plant that's planted in that, in that lousy ground, it'll blow that tree over. But if it's planted in a heart that knows that they know that they know that God loves me, that he's with me, that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, and that he is greater than anything that I'll ever face in life that soil will hold up. Man, I'm telling you, the waves, the wind, the storms of life can come, and it won't even shake that plant that grows. Right? So this is, this is very, very important. So the soil is our heart, or the, the soil is literally talking about our heart, the condition of our heart. So we want that soil saturated in the love of God. A heart established in God's love is the soil that will hold faith firmly through any storm. Right? So literally, this is why faith works by love. Did you see that? So I honor God, and I, I have a revelation knowledge that he loves me see they work hand in hand because when you have a revelation knowledge that God loves you you'll love him right we love him why because he first loved us the word in us is what will produce fruit God will deposit see this is why you have to have the word not only so that you could say it is written to the enemy You have to have the word because the word is what's going to grow the house that you're believing for. It's what's going to restore your body the health. It's what's going to bring the money in. The word of God. Do you see how a prosperity message that is all about what I can get from God never works? That's not even Bible. Because this whole thing is based on a relationship with God. You walking hand in hand with them. Where you're walking through life. Wow, Father, thank you. Because this manifests in your life. And oh my gosh, you're so good. You love me so much. Look, this manifests in your life. And now this is manifest in my life. Why? And while that's all manifesting, what am I doing? A desire's coming up. Yeah, I believe I receive. A desire's coming up. I believe I receive. And I'm just seeking God, seeking first his kingdom. And then things are popping up. Answers to prayer popping up. But I'm not focused on that. When an answer comes, I'm like, oh, thank God, I need the money. No. When you're walking with the Lord, you're like, wow, Father, your word is true. You met all my needs before I even hit the planet. That's how good you are. And then all of a sudden, your whole life is a picture. Everything about you is just like, man, God loves me. And guess what? God will love you too. Not will love you. God loves you too, right? That's the whole thing. And that's how we bear fruit. Verse 15. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they've heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. They heard the word. They're not hearing the word. Matthew's account says it this way. When one hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which what was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Luke's account says it this way. Those by the wayside, are they that hear? Then comes the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. How does he do that? He gets them not being thankful. How does he access your heart through your thought life, right? Wayside ground simply represents people with no interest in God and get, they get no results. That's a wayside grind. This is a person that they, 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 they come to church, they'll hear, they hear it, but they're just, then they just walk away. They don't care. It's no big deal to them, right? That's wayside ground. It can't produce. I love it when somebody, when God will keep continue wooing a person and they go from wayside to good ground, right? I love that. Verse 16, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. When they've heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. This word root means they have no moisture in themselves. Why do they have no moisture? because they stopped watering the word through teaching. The reason why they have no water or moisture is because they haven't been watering themselves. How do you water yourself? You get in the word every day. You speak the word every day. You come here, you hear the word. You listen to it. You're always watering, it keeps you moist. The reason why a person's stony ground is because they don't water themselves, right? This is big. Now, this person will so endure for a time, but afterwards, it doesn't say if affliction comes. It says when, right? When affliction. What is affliction? Tests, trials, and pressure, which are designed to produce an attitude that says, man, this is just too hard. It's not if that's going to come if you're believing God for something. It's when it's going to come. You believe God, And Satan will love it when you stop watering the word because the tests, the trials, and the afflictions are coming. And they're all designed for you to say, wow, this is just too hard. I can't do this faith thing. Right? I got news for you. You don't have to do the faith thing. Faith is a rest. You just keep hearing the word of God. You reverence him, you magnify him, you put him first, and all of a sudden, you will be moist and you won't be stony ground at all, right? But if you're stony ground, persecution, when that comes, this is, Satan will bring people to you and go, you know, you're believing God for something. Like, well, who do you think you are, right? Arises for the word's sake. See, the persecution doesn't, Satan doesn't care about you. He's already lost you for eternity. So, buddy, what he wants to do is he wants to hold you up to those that don't know him and say, see, this doesn't work. God's not real. He wants to hold you up to all those people that don't don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't believe in divine healing, don't believe that God wants you blessed, don't believe that God's always good. Satan wants to hold you up to them and go, see, here's a person, look, that thing's not real right? So persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately, they're offended. So if you're not moist, that's how you get offended, right? What does the word offense mean? It literally means somebody who's, who's literally entrapped, tripped up, and it causes them to distrust something that they should be trusting, I mean, Satan would love, if you're to be planted in this church, he would love for you to get entrapped and tripped up so that you start distrusting anything that I say. Right? Why? Because he wants to cut you off from anything that could be life. You have friends that are godly, he'll try to divide you. That's why you gotta guard your thought life, you gotta stay moist, Because when you're moist, you're unoffendable. Right? Amen. Pastor, that's great preaching. Praise God, right? The watering of the seed is the only thing that will cause you to withstand the pressure of affliction and persecution. So, don't try to be strong in you. You just keep watering the word. When those scriptures come up that, that, that you're standing and believe in God for something, man, speak them over your life all the time. Thank God for them. Speak them, speak them, speak them, speak them. That's how you stay. That's how you keep the switch of faith turned on. So let's finish this up. Verse 18, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Now this is, this is probably the majority of people. They hear the word, And the cares of this world, right? The cares of this world. This is something where you start caring about something in the world more than you care about God. The cares of this world, they will tell you, they'll create, if if you start looking at the cares that you have of the world, some people care that, man, I just have to, I can't go to church on Sundays because I have to do this. And, and I can't, I, you know, for June, July, and August, in, in those nice warm months, the, the Lord blessed me with a cabin, so I really care about being able to fish every weekend so I can't go to church. It'll create an attitude that says, I don't have time to serve God. The other end of cares are, man, I got all these bills, I got all these debts, I, I got to work, I, I, can't, I don't have time to get in the Word. I don't, I don't have time to serve God, I don't have time to read the Bible, right? But you got to be careful with that. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches... The deceitfulness of riches, that means you're, you're, you're literally, you know, I got to do this, I got to do that, right? It'll cause you to literally, it's like I can't serve God because I've got to work, I got to do all this stuff. They kind of flow together. You'll put your career before God. The lusts or the desire of other things, this is where, this one is where the majority of people are right now in the church in America the desire of other things will create an attitude in a person that I just don't want to serve God. I just don't want to read my Bible. I just don't want to go to church. I just don't want to give. I'm sure I don't want to honor God in my finances. I don't want to walk in love. I just want to live for myself. That's that's what produces, that's where most, most, most people, do you know how many people are running around the planet, they say they're a Christian and they never go to church, they live their own way, they look just like the world, but I'm a child of God. What, what is that? They're thorny ground, hopefully. I really hope they are. What that means is they at one point accepted Christ, at least they're going to end up in heaven, but I've got to tell you, there's a lot that they're going to be like, Lord, Lord, didn't I, wait a minute, hold on a second. Didn't I go to church or didn't I do this? Or, and, and Jesus is going to go, man, I never even knew you. Depart from me. We are living in a time of great self-deception. Now, in the, in the, the book to build a church in 2019, saying that from the pulpit is exactly what you should never do. Hide and watch. See, the cool thing is, I'm not trying to build this thing. We're going to let Jesus do it. So we're going to give you truth. What happens is these attitudes, they entering in, choke the word, and the word becomes unfruitful. Do you see that? That's all it is. But then, it, it, see, the commentary, the desire for the things of the world have become greater than the desire to continue giving attention to the word of God. And when that happens, the word can't produce. Right? This person mixes everything in their life with the word. They mix everything in their life with their relationship with God. We're down to, I think, an hour and 15. You better not go over that if you want your church to grow. Gosh, three years ago, it was an hour and a half. In three years, it went down 15 minutes. And there's a predominant teaching that, well, you know, intellectually, you know, you can't, you can't focus for very long. Well, the reason why is because your spirit's not developed. Right? See, I'm telling you, the more you feed on God, the more you'll feed on God. Because he's irresistible. Now, I'm not trying to plead a case for a longer church service. But I gotta tell you, you know, cause I gotta tell you, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I've never missed it by going too long, or going too short. I've missed it by going maybe a little longer than the Lord wanted me to. I'd rather miss it there, right? The person, is this person, thorny grounds, the person's not totally committed. They're not hearing right things. This is talking about a way of life. Notice in thorny ground, Satan's not taking the word. The, the person's decisions are choking the word. Satan doesn't even have to take it. People, people in the church, a lot of Christians today in America, they're saying, oh man, Satan just, he's, he's just after me. He's just, be, no, he's not. No, he's dealing with other people. He doesn't have to deal with you. You're dealing with you. Satan loves it when you mix everything in your life with God, but God's not number one. He's like, cool, I got that person. Right? Let's put the real, let's put the brand new little newbie demons on them. Because they they all they gotta do is go boo and that, that person will freak out, right? Literally. All right, let's finish this up. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word. That means they and, and they re, or hear the word and receive it. So they not only hear it, but they receive it. That means they take it up and they continue in it. And it brings forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. Verse 24 and 25, I want to close with this. And he said unto them, take heed what you hear. This word tis in the Greek language, you could read it, take heed what you hear or take heed who you hear. With what measure you meet or with what measure you measure, it shall be measured unto you. For unto you that hear shall more be given For he that has ears, or that has, has ears to hear, to him shall be given. But he that has not ears to hear, from him shall be taken even that which he has. Good ground. This is the key. So to secure the word of God, you have to hear it and then continue to hear it. Does that make sense? So this is it. I'm closing Don't forget this. Good ground is when you hear the word and you keep on hearing it. So, like right now, you're hearing the word. You're sitting there like this. You have this hungry look on your face, right? Even though physically you're going, man, I need to go to bed. Right? Your spirit's hungry right now. But you got to keep hearing it. So how how are you going to keep hearing it? talk. So you take the word, and when you leave this place, you meditate in it. Father, I thank you that I'm good ground. I thank you that I have ears to hear. Faith comes by hearing. I thank you that I will lay hold by faith everything that you've given me by your grace. Father, you know, it is written, I can do all things through Christ. By your stripes I'm healed. You keep, that's, you've heard it, and now you keep hearing it. You gotta speak it. That's how you secure it. When I I come back, we're going to talk a lot about how to examine your heart, right? How to examine your heart, how to keep your heart pure so that you always know, listen, my uh, my motives are pure. I've examined my heart. This is principle number three in winning your faith battles. The word of God lays out exactly how to do it so that the enemy can't ever, ever come in and deceive you. Amen?